Everybody, let's love Him, lifting your hearts with your hands and praising Him. He is a great God. He's the holy God. He's the only God. We bless the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name. We thank you, most holy King. Oh, thank you, dear God. Thank you, dear God. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Good to be in church this morning. I want you to enjoy the good presence of the Lord that's in this place. And we're glad for you to be here. If you're a first-time visitor, you're very, very welcome. If you're a returning visitor, you're certainly welcome. And um, turning the Bible to the New Testament and to the fifth book of the New Testament, which is the book of Acts, Very thankful for those of you that were prompt and on time this morning. Appreciate that. If you have a Bible, we're in Acts chapter 2. And I would like to have you look along with me verse 37, Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. And it reads on this wise in the King James Version. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. That means they were cut in their heart. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? I'd like to work for a little while on this morning, and what you should do, what you should do. You may be seated, the Lord bless you. To get the background and the setting here, we have Jesus Christ in the flesh. The flesh has been crucified on the cross, and three days later he rose again from the dead, and was shown alive with many infallible proofs. And that having taken place, he gave last-minute instructions to above 500 individuals that were and had been following him. But they were, they were not all sincere. They were not all really close in to him. And uh, consequently, having given last-minute instructions, then it was a weeding-out process that took place. He told them that repentance and remission of sins was to be preached in his name, that is, in the name of Jesus, for the remission of sins among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And he told them that they were to go and they were to tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until they received, if you please, the gift of the Holy Ghost, which was the promise given by the Spirit. And so they, uh, the Bible teaches of this group of above 500, about 120 obeyed the word of the Lord. 
the word said he spoke to them and they made a, a walk of about a half a mile from a place called the Mount of Olives, Bethany in the Mount of Olives, down into the city of Jerusalem. That half a mile reputed to be a Sabbath day's journey. And as they gathered together in this upper room, if you please, of the church house, and this about 120, the number of names that is, and among them was the 12 apostles, well, the 11 apostles at that time. One was the traitor, and he met with his end. He went to his own place. And you know that's a sad thing, isn't it, when people have their own ideas and they start going back into the flesh and the old nature way of thinking of doing things, and that's what got everybody in the mess they're in to begin with. And, and so they resort back to that, going to do it my way, got it all figured out, not going to communicate with you, Jesus, not going to talk to you about this, not going to, no, I'm just going to do my own thing. And so they, you know, in that kind of thinking, Judas led, if you please, about 380 people to thinking the same way. What a great example. He left them, huh? And, uh, but people being stubborn and fleshly and carnal like that, like they are, and like our nature is, our old nature, that, uh, they didn't follow the word of the Lord. They didn't go do what the Lord said to do. And so they consequently missed out on what the Lord had in store for his church, for his people. And that was that about that 120, 11 apostles and the Mary, the mother of the flesh, and the other devout women, how that they had gathered together in that upper room and they begin to praise him. They begin to worship him. They begin to have church. And in so doing, then the Bible teaches that the Spirit of the Lord was poured out. The promise that he had given, that he said, you'll be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And it was about seven days. And then when that day rolled around and the Spirit of God was poured out and they were all, about 120, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues or languages as the Spirit of God gave them the ability to do so. This was a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Old Testament being Genesis to Malachi. We're in the New Testament this morning, which is Matthew to Revelation. Old Testament, 39 books. New Testament, 27 books. Total together, 66 books. 1,189 chapters. Right at 800,000 words in the King James Version of the Bible that we're in this morning. And as they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and as they began to speak forth in another language, the wonderful works of God, then the Bible teaches that Peter was prompted and moved forth by the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And he began to preach to all the people that were gathered in the streets. And it was, they, it was visible what had taken place, and it was 
it was uh, magnificent, and people were just taken with what was going on and, and wondered. And there was always mockers, and there was then, as there is now. And uh, these mockers said, well, these people are just drunk. And Peter said, well, they're not drunk like you think, not like you suppose, because you're thinking old nature, because you're not born again yet. And Jesus said, you must be born again if you're going to make it to the kingdom of God, if you're going to be able to see it and enter into the kingdom of God. You must be born again. And so that's John 3, 3 and 5. And so this brings us to where I'm at this morning, Acts 2, when people, having seen what took place with these about 120, and now they're, they're being preached to by Peter. And as he winds down his sermon, the Bible teaches that these people, now this is your heart, not this fleshly. We're not talking the natural. We're not talking the flesh. We're talking spiritually. So this is your heart, the seat of your thoughts, your intellect, and your emotions. And these people were cut to their heart, to the, just got right down inside of them and stirred them up and dug them up. And they cried out and they said, what shall we do? Man, we've heard what you preached. We're very convicted of our sin and our sinful lifestyle. And what do we do now? You, you've told us all these things. You've preached these things to us. We've, we've heard the word of the Lord. What do we do now? What do we do now? Well, Jesus made it clear in paving the way. You know, John the Baptist paved the way for the coming of Jesus, his flesh. And then Jesus began to pave the way for the coming of his church, the birth of the body of Christ, which he said, I'll build my church upon the rock which was himself, and the revelation of who he was and is and shall always be. And they, he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Meaning the gates of hell are going to try, but they're not, they're not going to be successful. And you might want to remember that. Read the back of the book, We Win, The Church Wins, The Church Will Be Successful. Thank God and thank God and thank God. You have a chance being born a loser because of sin to be reborn, or that is born again, a winner. You can be on the winning team. You can be on the right side of things. How marvelous it is. As they said, what shall we do? And then Peter said unto them, well, you're going to be born again of water and spirit, and you must be. Then what that translates to repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So John 3, 5 is fulfilled in your life through Acts 2.38 in your Bible right here. If you're going to be born again of water, you're going to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. If you're going to be born again of the Spirit, then you're going to be filled with the gift of God's Holy Spirit. He's offering that 
to this period of time in which we live. And so, the window in the door, if you please, is still open. You still have an opportunity, though the window in the door is closing quickly. We're living in a time that we're watching many end time scriptures coming into focus, about to be fulfilled. And so that means the Lord will be returning for His church. What the Bible calls the first resurrection. And you want to be a part of that. Miss that, and you've missed it all. You want that. You want to, that you want to be shooting for that, pressing toward that mark, that bullseye. What shall we do? What we shall do is we shall repent, because Jesus said, if you don't repent, you're not you're going to perish. That's what's going to happen. If you don't repent, you're going to perish. And he didn't end it there. He said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So we're going to be born again of water. We're going to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And he made it crystal clear without the Spirit of Christ, he said, you're none of his. There are things that if you do not do, he said, you, you, you won't be one of mine. You won't be among the church. You won't be among that number. You won't be the called out ones. You won't be in that first resurrection. So we come from Jesus telling us to be born again of water and spirit to what shall we do? And then the next verse answers that. We're to repent. We're to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of all of our sins. And then we'll receive the beautiful and free gift of the Holy Ghost, which is the gift of eternal life. And so that taking place, then it leads us to the, from Romans to Revelation, which is the books after the book of Acts, where we're at this morning. And from Romans to Revelation, we'll teach you what to do should you make a mistake. Or should you just be plain old stubborn and contrary and self-willed, find yourself descending back into the old nature and the old way of doing things. Then that brings you to 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, and it tells you that if you do it wrong, that you can confess it to God, and that He is faithful, and He is just, to forgive you of all of your sins. And it brings you to, also, Titus 3 and 5, when it said, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy. His mercy. Brings us to that renewal of the Holy Ghost. The renewal of the Holy Ghost. I like to tell the account of the little girl, and she was less than 10 years old, and she came home from church and she told her grandfather, who was sick, she told him, guess what? I got the Holy Ghost five times tonight. 
And so he had just asked me, he said, I, I need to preach something. He said, what should I preach? I said, that's what you should preach right there. And I said, you tell them what your granddaughter said. And you tell them, boy, wouldn't that be something if all of us could go home after a service and say, I got the Holy Ghost five times tonight. That we're saved by the renewing. Once you're here, what it's saying is you, you stay saved. You started with Jesus telling you to be born again of water and of the Spirit. That brought you to he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That brought you to what shall I do? Well, repent. And if you don't, you'll perish. So you repent. You die to the flesh. You mortify it. You render it useless. You crucify it. You're believing this gospel, this good news, that you can repent. You can get victory over your sin. And then you can get your sins totally forgiven, washed away and remembered no more when you're baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And now you're born again of water. And then as you come up out of the water, and that's when you're born again of water, coming up out of the water, as you worship him, and he will from that point on fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost if you will let your heart be open to him. And as you quit worrying about what it sounds like or what I look like or having any other doubtful questions in your mind, but that you will worship him uninhibitedly, praise and magnify him, he will fill you with the free gift of the Holy Ghost. And then having him in you, you're one of his. Because now you're born again of the Spirit, completes the new birth experience completes what you shall do, but it doesn't It doesn't totally end what we shall do, does it? Because now that we're saved, now we've got to stay saved. And as I said, that's what brings you to 1 John 1, 8, 9, that if you, what did one general contractor tell me many, many years ago, he said, if you make a mistake and then you correct it, he said, then it's not a mistake any longer, it's a boo-boo. Okay. Well, I'm saying to you, you can minimize this thing. You can take that mountain and speak to it and cause the move out of the way in Jesus' name. Because you confess your sin, your mistake unto him. And he is faithful and he is just to forgive you of your sin. You don't come running back and we're going to throw you in the water again. We had one dear woman Oh, yeah. Every time she'd show up here, and she didn't live here, but she did come out of the church I came out of in Miami, and she moved off somewhere. And, and uh, every once in a while, though, she'd visit here. And every time she comes, she won't be rebaptized. So she, evidently, she did not make the connection to 1 John 1 8 9 that. Once you're baptized in Jesus' name and once you're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, that it moves you then in teaching on how to stay saved. How that you can, and you should, repent every day unto God. 
get everything straightened out and updated every day with God. And if you confess unto Him, He's faithful and just to forgive you. Isn't that wonderful and great of Him to do that? To be such a loving, forgiving, merciful, compassionate God. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. Amen. But if we don't make these connections, then we're going to have a little bit of a situation. I want to read a verse to you this morning from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 28. In your Bible, in the Old Testament, if you're not sure where Isaiah is, maybe you're familiar with the book of Psalms. Go there and then move forward until you come to Isaiah. Chapter 28. And I would like to read to you verse, I should say verses. Let me begin with verse 9. When shall he teach, whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept. Line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. You know, God wants to make it easy for us. And I'm trying to do that this morning. Trying to break it down for you. You know, they said the Indians that the old squaw, she would be like the grandmother or the aunt, that they would take the meat and they would chew it and break it down, and then they would give it to the little baby, the papoose. So God is saying here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this down. I'm going to make it here a little and there a little. I'm going to try to make it as simple as I can. Please listen to verse 11. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest. Everybody said rest. Wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Sorry about the last part, yet they would not hear. I hope that you will not be in, put yourself in that category. I hope that you will enter into what the Bible called the place of hearing. I hope that you will do that. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit hath to say. Everybody said, God, God is, talking is talking to me. To All right, then. So you let God talk to you this morning. He's here to instruct you. He's here to encourage you. He's here to save you. And he's here to keep you saved. So as you work your way up to confessing your sins on a daily basis, letting God wash you again and again in His precious blood, then, as I said, Titus 3 and 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved or saves us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. The renewing of the Holy Ghost. This is how we're going to be able 
to do what Hebrews taught, and that is to enter in to his rest. Now you see, the born-again experience is the beginning of that rest. It's the beginning of everything good and proper in, in your life. It's your born-again life. It's the old things passing away. And behold, all things become new. And I'm trying to show you these new things. I'm trying to show you the correlation through the Scripture. And as you come to this rest that he's telling you that there's still yet a rest to come. There's a completion of this thing. We've got the little end of the stick here. We've got we've to taste and see that the Lord is good. And oh, he is. And this is so great and so marvelous. But it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. There's more to come. You know what the old Indian told the visitor, probably the white man that came to his teepee and they sat down to eat. And as he put the ladle or the spoon in the big pot over the fire, the Indian noticed that the cowboy or the soldier just kind of skimmed the top a little bit. And so the Indian said, dig deep, puppy and bottom. <laughs> well, the point is, dig deep, church family. Dig deep. You don't want to be a top minner. You don't want to be on the surface here. The buzzards come and they, they take the seed out of the heart of people that are on the top. They're just skimming the top. They're just not really, you know. They're kind of, I asked somebody one time, I said, discern for me. And they said, present in body but absent in heart. And that's what the Lord said. He said about some people, he said they draw near with their lips. They know what to say. They, they know what, they've been around long enough that they know what you want to hear. They know how to manipulate. And uh, but discerning people, they say, "Yeah, uh huh." Draw near with the lips, but the heart is far away, somewhere else, thinking somewhere else, making other plans. Yeah. The enemy, the enemy would like for us to, of course, he would. He would like for us to revert, to go back, to go backwards, to. The old nature, the old way of doing things, the sinful way of doing things. That which, what did it say in Colossians 2 and 9? Lie not one to another. Along with that, don't lie to yourself either. So just lie not. And said, seeing that you put off the old man and his nature. You put that off. We've repented of that. We got baptized in Jesus' name. We got filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And as I said, when you've done it wrong and said it wrong, we're not going to you know, run you back through the water again. That happens through the preaching of the Word, actually. The washing of you 
with the water of the Word. And by your repenting on a daily basis that He's faithful and just to forgive you and to renew you according to Titus 3 and 5. These are the correlations. And this is what helps you to enter into His rest. And not just the beginning of His rest, but growing in grace and knowledge. And if you please, contentment. Because godliness with contentment is great gain. As you as we die to the old ways and the old nature and the old world, and we become more and more alive to the things of God, the things of the Holy Ghost, that we're more involved, we're more in tune with God and the things that He's doing, His church is doing, the body of Christ is doing. I'm finishing the book of Revelation. And I want to read to you a little something from it. Everybody said praise the Lord. The 13th chapter, which has to do primarily with the beast and another beast, which presumably is the Antichrist. And our presumptions are based upon chapter and verse. But in reading chapter 13, the Bible teaches in verse 3, And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death. This is the beast. And his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. The beast is a system, okay, and it's made up of that which rises up out of, produced by population. We've got seven heads, we've got ten horns or powers, and upon these powers there's ten crowns, and upon his head the name of blasphemy. Now you know it's either or, church family. You're either going to get the name of Jesus or you're going to wind up with the name of the devil. You're either going to be a believer or you're going to be an unbeliever. You're either going to be gathered unto Jesus or you're going to be scattered from Jesus. There's not going to be any gray area. There's not going to be, you know, where I'm kind of and I'm playing footsie with. No, it, it is not going to be that way. Okay? Not going to be that way. It does take commitment. It does take commitment. The Bible does use term whole, W-H-O-L-E, complete. You've got to wholeheartedly serve the Lord. You've got to give yourself unto the Lord. And everybody's got a reason. Oh, my, my, my wife or oh, my husband or my mother or, you know, this. And it goes on and everybody's got it there. What they feel like is a plausible excuse or a believable excuse. But an excuse is an excuse. Okay? That's all it is. It's just an excuse. There's something else working, and that's what you've got to face. 
They worshiped the dragon, that's the devil, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him, okay, that is unto the beast, a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue 40 and 2 months. Now, who, did, who gave him that power? The Bible teaches you. The dragon, the devil, the serpent gave him that power. He's got a plan, church family. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God. Always going to come out to that. That's always the bottom line. Against God, against leadership, against authority. Every time. It is good for you to wake up, church family, and to discern spirits. Wake up to it. You're not to be a pacifier, pampered baby all your spiritual days. There is a time when you're looked to to become teachers. Everybody said amen was given unto him to make war with the saints. Now, I've covered with you, Jesus said, you must be born again of water and spirit. That's what makes a saint. At least that's what makes God's saints. People that believe, and if they're believing, then they repent. If they're believing, they're baptized in Jesus' name. If they're believing, they are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the reason we get this opportunity is because God so loved this world that he gave the only begotten son, that is the flesh, as a sacrifice, as the lamb, to, be, to give his life on that cross. So the question becomes, how do we believe? What shall we do? You're giving me the, the generic I got it, but I don't understand what I specifically need to do. And that's what the Holy Ghost through the Apostle Peter and the church on the first day gave to the whole known world, 17 plus nations in that day, almost 2,000 years ago. That's when Peter said, repent and be baptized Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness or the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Promises unto you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. He didn't stop there. The Bible said with many other words that he testified and exhort, saying, Save yourself. Do something. Get up out of the seat of do nothing. Get up out of unbelief, and let's get with it. Let's get with it. Let's get with it. And then, and then having done that, because that day 3,000 souls were added to the church, the body of Christ, then they continued to get with it as they begin to fill their city with the doctrine of Jesus Christ, which is the apostles' doctrine. And doing that, they didn't stop there. They couldn't stop there. The Holy Ghost wouldn't let them stop there. And he spurred them on with a little persecution. 
that broke out. And they began to reach to Rome and to Ephesus and to Galatia and other places. They were establishing congregations, believers, in new areas. And of course there were spirits that came along and tried to get them to go backwards under the law, do things the old way, what seemed better to the flesh and more convenient to the flesh. And there were those that argued points and you have many examples of that as you read from Romans through Revelation. Paul went through quite a discourse on those that said that there there was no resurrection. And then there were those that rose up among us that said the resurrection is past and would overthrow the faith of people who would listen to them and believe them. The line has to be drawn. I don't care who it is when you leave the book. Somebody told me this morning about, I asked him if the person had truth back in that time, and they said, well, yes, up to a point. And I, and I said, where did it stop? And they said, well, they baptized babies. And I said, oh, okay. And, of course, the Bible teach, does not teach us to do that. You've got to get to the place to where, you know, you're, you've got some kind of mental maturity that you can discern between both good and evil. And uh, I had a lawyer actually tell me the other day that... Um, Jesus was baptized when he was 13. Scholarly Marvin, what do you think about that? Me too. I, I said no. Um, and then told me he started preaching when he was 13. And I'm thinking the scripture said he went home and submitted himself to his parents. You know, And that the word 13 and age 13 was never mentioned, not one time. So I had to correct the lawyer. In other words, hey, when it comes to the law, I'm listening to you all ears. <laughs> but now you might want to listen to me, lawyer. Let me help you, okay? Everybody in their own field, let me help you out. And so I begin to straighten the lawyer out that uh, what the Bible teaches, what the Bible teaches. And that's what we want to be in line with, what the Bible teaches. You know, there is a generation that the Bible said they're pure in their own eyes. And yet the Bible said they are not washed from their filthiness. We were part of that generation. But we got delivered through the born again experience. When we got to the place where we said, what shall we do? What am I to do? My life is in a mess. Everything's upside down. Everything's going wrong. What what shall I do? Well, you know, I'm trying to tell you in the correlation here of what I'm trying to bring you through the Scripture that when your rest gets uneasy, you find yourself traveling backwards. Even David said, I almost slipped. I got into a slippery place. Found myself going backwards. Yeah. Sometimes that's exactly what people show us. 
that they're, they've gone away backwards. They're thinking backwards. They're reverting to old ways. Old fleshly habits and lifestyles. Thinkings. But your way out is 1 John 1, 8 and 9, I'm telling you. That you can confess to God. You can repent on a daily basis. You can get renewed in the Holy Ghost. Get a good renewing in the Holy Ghost. That'll get you going in the right direction. Thinking in the right direction. Because you know what? When your thinking gets going right, it brings about a change of direction. That's what repentance is. Not going to go the way of Satan. We're going to go the way of God. That's what the apostle, the man that would become the apostle Paul was told by God. I'll show him. And God began to show him. He's going to turn people from the power of Satan unto the power of God. We're going to have a change of direction here. We've got to turn away from that stuff every day. That's why you want to pray and repent every day so you can overcome every day. You get up out of the bed, you're overcoming gravity. Every time you move forward, you're overcoming gravity. An unseen pressure and force is trying to hold you down and hold you back. Witness gravity. Pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? If, you, if I asked you to stand up and jump, you're going to come back down. I know we like that hang time, but it only lasts so long. <laughs> I was a young man. We did the trampoline, you know, and we learned how to do flips, front, back, all kinds of things. And, but we always came down. Always came down. No matter how high you boom, went up, you could maintain body control. You still came down. You still came down. And there are forces I'm trying to tell you that every day are trying to drag you down. Drag you back. Try to get you to give up the rest that's been so graciously given to you. The rest wherewith you may cause, he said, the weary to rest. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor, heavy laden. All the weary to come to me. These things don't stop in a born-again person's life. There's a continuation. We've got to stay saved. We've got to stay delivered. We've got to keep going forward. And there's an enemy that wants to make war with who? The saints. He don't care about anybody else. He's got them. So he can concentrate his forces against the saints, the born again, the ones that are walking in the Spirit, talking in the Spirit, worshiping in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, standing fast in the liberty wherewith they've been called. He's after them. They're the ones in, in his crosshairs of his scope. And he's holding it on them. I read where 
anywhere from 100 to 1,000 sea turtles. One will live to adulthood. That's a pretty poor percentage. I've read, you better listen to me, that they have done studies among us of our children who graduated from high school and went on to college that they lost 85% of them. Think about that. Don't talk to me about going off to college somewhere. You get yourself online. Okay? Get your child to get online for college, not for social media, not for a bunch of YouTube junk, not to be instructed in philosophies of the devil. We've got people that have gotten their BAs and moving on to their masters. Do it online. They want you in their church. Do you understand? That's theirs. That's their congregation. They want you to be a, your kids to be a part of that. And you don't want that. Believe me, you don't want that. You want to be in the church. Church is first. Because Jesus is first. And it's his church. And he's the visible, invisible head. I am the hand of the visible head of this congregation. You want to be a part of that. You want to be in submission and subjection to that. What shall we do, they said. It didn't stop with repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and receiving the Holy Ghost. That's the door. That's the threshold. That brings you into the body of Christ. But we're saved if we continue, the book said. We've got to continue on here. We must continue on. Because there's a war. For your soul. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints. And to overcome them, now what that means is flesh, he's going to be able to, as you'll read, to put people to death. And to power was given over him over all kindreds, tongues, or languages, and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life. Of the Lamb. The only way you get your name there is to be born again. As it is written in Psalms that this or that man, that woman was born in Zion, in the church. Born again. Of water and the Spirit. Jesus said you must. So he's saying you must repent. You must be baptized in Jesus' name. You must be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then you must continue on. Don't be a quitter. Don't turn to the right or to the left or go backwards. Any man have an ear, he said, let him hear. Verse 9, verse 10. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. You know, we don't do it the way the world does it, church family. We came out of the world. Who are they? From whence are these? These are they that came out of great tribulation. These are they that came out of a whole lot of, of uh, persecution and, and uh, people, be, people in ways and systems being against them. Yeah. All kinds of opposition 
But the Lord said it's not going to prevail against my church. I'm going to have my people. I'm going to have my people. I took a bunch of young people somewhere, I don't know, Cheesecake or somewhere, and I, knowing the manager, and I said, you take care of them. I said, these are my peeps. These are mine. Well, the Lord's going to say that. He's going to speak to the north, south, east, and west. Give up my peeps. Give up my people. We're going to be caught up together, the writer said, to be and to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be. Because there's going to be a, a last trump. And the Lord himself shall descend. First resurrection. And so, the writer said here, when I said that we don't do it like them, we, we don't have a, a basement full of, right Artie, because you're down there a lot. We don't have a basement full of missiles and guns and weaponry. We don't have anything like that. Because the weapon of our warfare are mighty through God. So I, I'm, I, I'm not buying a Glock. Okay? I'm not going to go get me a bazooka or a 30 6 Some guy in the, in the newspaper wrote in, you know, and he, he defended and he said, you know, Jesus said, I sent you out with nothing. He said, now... Go ahead and get you a sword and get you this and get you that and get you the other. But he didn't do any subject matter. He just left it at that. He didn't say that Jesus told Peter when he lopped that guy's ear off, put up thy sword. You live by that, you're going to die by that. Oh, he didn't tell that part. <laughs> That's like telling John 3, 5, 3, 16, but not telling 3 and 5. I told one, many a person one time, I said, well, you got the 16, you read, you went right past 3, 3, 3, and 5. You know. Yeah. And evidently, you never did get to the book of Acts. You know, we, it, this, when you got past the, the surface, and you start digging deep where the meat is, strong meat belonging to them, that are mature or maturing in God. You know, after a while, you got to put some cereal in that baby's bottle. I remember a baby crying here one morning constantly. And the mother took that baby and shook it. What's wrong with you? And all the rest of the church. <gasps> that's how the rest of the, that was the lady's reaction in the church family when that happened. And uh, all that was wrong was that she wasn't adding enough nutriment and substance to the baby's bottle. And the baby was communicating the only way it knew how to do it was crying. And some seasoned, aged woman in the church said, Honey, you, you need to put some cereal in that bottle. So, strong meat belonging to them that are mature. Milk belongs to the unskillful, to the baby. Hence, we've got to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody said amen? amen. Okay. You don't, you don't need to act like such a baby. I think I made a point to you 
probably several months ago that the median age of brats is about 30 to 40 nowadays. <laughs> you know, just acting like brats. Quit acting like a brat. Grow up. Be a man. Be a woman. Be a man among men and a woman among women. Let's let's become teachers. Okay? Not have to be taught again. Take up valuable time and space. And be careful of that because the Lord said, pluck it up. And the pastor said, well, let me work around it a little bit more. Imagine the pastor arguing back and forth with God. Let me... Let me let me let me dung around it. Let me fertilize it. Let me let me work around it just a little bit more. But the last thing God said was, "Pluck it up. Why cumber the ground with it? We could we could plant something new. Superficial buzzards come and get that. Next thing you know, it's among the rocks. Stubbornness is the way I look at it. Stubbornness." Takes no depth of earth. That word just not, the preaching just not getting down in there like it should. The mind is just shutting down and I'm not, I'm not receiving that. I'm not hearing that. I don't want that. Ah! Grow up. Grow up. Take it like a man. Take it like a woman. Well, then the seed got in the thorny ground. And the book said it, it started to produce. There was promise of fruit. You know, love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, you know, those things. And uh, I'm not talking about apples and oranges, church family. And uh, get a spiritual mind here. Get an ear to hear. Let's not be thinking about the bread. When What, what happened to the bread? Let's be thinking about false doctrine that wants to get in your heart, beware of the leaven of the fair you sees. Beware of people that are trying to put stuff in you, you know, that'll choke the Word of God and you'll cease to bring forth fruit. And it's called the reason being the deceitfulness of sin. The deceitfulness of sin. Through the cares of this life. I saw a man this morning, he must have been feeding 25 or 30 cats and kittens. Yeah. And I, I think it started with his wife. And it's, it's kind of morphed over now that I only see him, I'm wondering if she passed away and probably said to him, don't forget the cats. Take care of the kids. Don't forget to feed them. Who's going to feed your soul? I asked her a doctor the other day, primary care guy, and I said, "Who, who's your doctor? And he said, oh, I got an eye doctor, I got an ear doctor, I got this kind, of, I got all kinds of doctors. I said, okay, good. I'm glad you've got a doctor. Glad you got somebody checking you out. That's good. That's good. That's good. Who's there's a responsibility for your your soul, your life, that you're being fed. Now me, I, I I'm gonna be on a lot of people's bad list because I care nothing about animals. 
I care nothing about the cats and the dogs. Okay? I can enjoy them at a distance. You know? The birds, fowl the air, wonderful, pretty, nice. You know, I saw people the other day, a picture of them, they were, they were, they've turned their house into a menagerie for animals. And they had like an, a 16 or 12 foot, whatever it was, python. The woman was holding the front of it, the man was holding the rest of it. They've turned their, their fish ponds into something else and something else into something else and Everything is, is animals, you know. And uh, people are so concerned because the Bible said they worship the creature more than the creator. Let's get the priorities right, church family. Let's get the priorities right. Let's, let's show a lost and a dying world what really counts, Okay? Let's show them what really counts. The Lord is first. The church is first. Somebody told me that a certain celebrity gets up every morning at 3 o'clock to work out. That's how he maintains his physique. And immediately my mind said, boy, we ought to be getting up at 3 in the morning and praying. We ought to be working on our spiritual physique. That's what matters. The flesh, church family, is going to die. And I read in the Bible where the blood of dead men is going to kill every living thing in the sea. That's in your Bible. That's in your Bible. I told somebody earlier this morning, I said, uh, some people Google. They consult Google. Some people consult Siri on their phone. And I said, sometimes, under certain conditions, I consult Sister Lewis. I had a medical question. <laughs> so that was her wake her up for the day. So anyway, I'm saying, your Bible teaches you in a correlation, trying to follow it all the way through, church family, it doesn't stop at the book of Acts, which also has no amen. But we pick up Revelation from Romans to Revelation. And you've got to see where things are going. We've got a beast, a spirit, a system that's going to rise up and make war with the saints. It's going to get its power from the devil. And it's telling you that in the midst of, of those that will resort to physical, natural weaponry. He said here is the patience and the, the faith of the saints. We're not going that route. We're not going that route. We're not going to appeal to the natural, carnal weaponry. Because if you live by that, you're going to die by that. We're not going to be chopping off ears or heads. You've certainly been reading a lot about that, I'm sure. We're in the soul-saving business. We're going to pull people out of the fire. We're going to show the next generation, which is your children, we're going to show them the truth of the Scriptures and help them to correlate it all the way through and let them know that 
that God's Word speaks of another rest. Or in other words, the completion of the experience. The born again experience in your life. That there therefore remaineth a rest to the people of God. And he said, be careful. Like some in that day. If you fall short of it. We do not want to fall short of the promise of the rest that remaineth unto the people of God. But it all starts with you being born again of water and of the Spirit. He said, this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. He said, this is a refreshing Everybody said amen. Everybody said hallelujah. All right. So, as you follow on, the Bible said if you follow on to know, then you're going to know. You got to stick around. You got you to be faithful. You got to be committed. You got to be here to be able to grow in grace and knowledge. The devil would like to get you to believe that you could do it on your own. Oh, yeah. That's just a trick of his. Separate a lamb from the flock and from the shepherd. Oh yeah, separate him. Then he can pounce on him. He can pounce on him. Nature teaches you that a cheetah can travel upwards to 60 miles an hour. In zero to three seconds, he can get up to 60 miles an hour. How much more? As Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall as lightning. How much quicker is the devil that he can get somebody who gets separated? Jesus warned one of his disciples. He said, Satan, called him by name and said, Satan hath desired to sift you like wheat means to separate you like wheat is separated by a sifter or by a winnowing fork. They would, they would take that fork and they would throw the wheat up in the air and, and the wind would blow out all the chaff and just the good would be left to go into the garner or the barn, if you please. False winds of doctrine. Many different ways to approach that. But you just remember that when it all shakes out, Satan, with lightning-like speed, is going to come and make war through the beast with the church, with the saints. Born-again people. Acts 2.38 people. That's what makes a saint. So when the church is gone, there's nothing left to produce a saint. Okay? So while the church is here, while you have the opportunity to be born again, to be saved from sin and darkness, that's another thing. One of the seven vials that was poured out was poured out and it brought darkness. A darkness that could be felt. The Bible said they gnawed their tongues for pain. Why would somebody gnaw their tongue because of darkness? 
Why would they eat their own tongue? Why would they chew on their own tongue? Why would they do that? Fear. Fear. Fear that can be felt. Fear that could be felt. He's coming to make war with the saints. The Bible said, so your gun not going to help you. <laughs> Satan going to laugh at you like you're an idiot. Like you're the idiot you are. Yeah. Wake up. You have a real enemy. And the war is over your soul. And Satan is going to produce a whole system and raise up a big mouth in that system. You're giving unto him a great mouth, speaking blasphemies. That's what your Bible says. Everybody said amen. amen. He said, I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, like a lamb. Oh yeah, he's going to do the look-alike thing. No marvel, Satan himself could be turned into an angel of light. And he spake as a dragon, that's the devil, and he exerciseth all the power of the first beast, this second beast does, and causeth the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. You were told that earlier. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. He had power to give life unto the image of the beast, and that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And guess what he does? He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Everybody said, praise the Lord. I'm going to conclude the book of Revelation also, chapter 20. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, won't that be nice, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till or until a thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, or his system in other words, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, 
And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. You want to be in the first so the second can't get you. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Everybody said praise the Lord. Please remember what I read to you that they they were going to he was going to cause them to receive the mark in their right hand or in their forehead and that you couldn't buy or sell except you had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name please notice 20 and 4 he said I saw them they got the victory and they had gotten the victory because they did not worship the beast nor his image neither received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands that they and they lived and reigned with Christ so there you have it you've got to follow it through the bible church family and you've got to know where we're at and where we're going and everybody said amen everybody said praise the lord so god help all of us it's no time to play games it's no time to be silly and uh Jesus did talk about, you know, it did say prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. So in proving, make sure that you, you're proving that you're growing in grace and knowledge, that you're headed in the right direction, that you're continuing steadfastly in the things of God, and that you're you have been given the beginning of the rest. But remember that there therefore remaineth a rest. So there's something for you to press toward for. The mark of the prize. Not the mark of the beast, but the mark or the bullseye that will get you to eventually embrace and enjoy and enter into the rest that remains to the people of God. Everybody said amen. amen. This is what we need to do. Shall we stand? You slipped up there. I didn't see you. My right side's not doing too good. Everybody said praise the Lord. Let's give God a big hand, shall we? Thank you, Jesus. All right. Everybody said hallelujah. I want to tell you real quick. I.